Before I preach this morning, I want to ask the question, could you use your spirit to be renewed? Is it possible that the toils of life, the stress of the hour, the traumas that sometimes hit has taken its toll on your spirit? It does not have to be an issue of the nature and the magnitude that David went through. That he noticed in his own life had happened and as a result he asked the creator, would you renew my spirit? He started with a clean heart. And so you get the slate clean but somehow... You know what I mean? That energy for life was missing. That anticipation, that expectation, that, 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 that the nature of something that you often see, you know, uh, in the, the uncumbered little child. He's not weighted down. He doesn't have yesterday's events to worry about. The future he's... He's not even, you know, he's not even there. He's just got the today energy. Meal time comes around. He's not worried about the meal. He says, Mama, I'm hungry. And, but as adults, that doesn't always, you know, end up that way. And so David, he called upon the creator and he said, would you refresh my spirit? Different translations call it steadfast, you know what I mean? And, it, and, and that's very true, but you're not going to get steadfast until you get refreshed. And that's why Paul said that the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Because our spirit... Our spirit man needs refreshing. It says about Jesus Christ, he says, the zeal for thine house has eaten me up. He was just consumed. There was an energy. So with that in mind, I want to just take a moment and if you're a candidate... And probably all of us that could use a little refreshing in our spirit. Now, I'm not looking for some emotional outbreak or anything like that, you know what I mean? Because I believe it's something God does. Transition and transformation begins to take place in God, you know what I mean? Begins to touch your spirit and you're a better husband, you're a better wife, you're a better empl- employer. You're a bl- better employee. You're a better, you know, son and daughter. By the way, 
Mrs. Corbin, how are you doing? The last time she was here, she was Sabrina Stockwell. Now she's Sabrina Corbin. Amen. Do you, and if you know somebody that you can see that their spirit could use some freshing, take a moment. Take a moment with them. Encourage them. So let's pray. Father, this morning, just as David prayed, we're asking you to walk through the corridors of our heart, the channels of the river of life in us, Lord, and where there's debris that has stopped up the flow of that, that life and that flow, we're asking to unstop it. Father, where events and the toil of life has somehow, God, tarnished it. We're asking that you would, as our creator, would just refresh and renew the spirit in each one. Father, so that our past is not dragging us down and our future is not overloading us. But that we might run and live with hope. I ask you, Father, as the creator, to renew our spirit in Jesus' name. All the people said amen. It's so good to see you this morning. God is just... He is so good and, and so wonderful and uh, has, uh, you know, you in his mind uh, and, you know, man. I hope you believe God's a good God. But I feel this morning to issue a challenge, a challenge. It's a challenge not just for a next generation. I believe it's a challenge that can uh, fit every age group. It's not necessarily a new challenge, but it's a, cha- a perspective of challenge. And that is, I want to talk to you this morning and help us discover what I believe God wants to do and is doing today, and that is raising up a David generation. And you say, what does that mean, Pastor? For a David generation to be raised up. A generation, I believe, of his coming. A generation that understands the duty of love. A generation that might have written for their record in regard to their life, a man after God's own heart. He's the only one recorded in Scripture that has this record, this epitaph with regard to him. The legacy of David. 
66 chapters in the Old Testament are given to his life. There are 59 references in the New Testament that he is used as a reference point. 73 of the Psalms is written by him. What constituted a David generation? It says in Acts chapter 13, we have that, verse 36. Yes, no? That's okay. It says, David served his generation by the will of God. A time period. Because it goes on to say how he fell asleep. You're not going to do it when you fall asleep. And you won't do it if you fall asleep actually or if you're asleep spiritually. You're not going to serve your generation. Well, a time period. And so what he's saying is David didn't serve himself. He served his generation. You know, we can't buy back the past. We must minister to the people in the culture as it really is. We can critique the culture. We can criticize the culture. You know what I mean? We can point out all the culture's faults. But what are we going to do with regard to the culture? David came into a culture followed a kingdom, a king who had deteriorated the spiritual and the practical things of the kingdom. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says, now you are a chosen generation. In other words, God is continually expanding the generations. It's not simply a generation as we know we're a different generation than what the generation was when Peter penned it. So each one becomes a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. What is God saying? He says, God wants a people who will walk with him in prayer. When you start discovering the words of priesthood and a holy nation and a special people. Walk with him in prayer. March with him in praise. Catch it? Sing his praises and spread his blessings. Hallelujah. So there's a purpose for each generation. There are two things that matter. One is our relationship with God. Two is our relationship toward man. Remember, this is a challenge this morning. Each generation has a purpose. Martin Luther's, he turned the church from false teachings and a whole lot more, but you know, John Wesley, he brought 
a very needed spiritual renewal. And I don't know if you're familiar with the revival that broke out in Scotland and it broke out in some islands, the Herbridge Islands, is accredited to two old ladies and one young boy. The young boy was just seven, eight years old. The two old ladies were 82 and 84. The one was almost blind. The other was stricken by arthritis and so they couldn't make it to church. But they prayed. They found a way to serve their generation. They found a way to work within the limits and the limitations that had shackled their personal physical body. They couldn't be the movement that went into the cities and the highways and byways. They couldn't be the missionary that crossed the seas. But they found a way to serve a generation. Oh, hallelujah. David. David replaced a man who was serving himself and not his generation. A man who sacrificed the permanent on the altar of the immediate. Yes. You see, David was anointed at approximately 16, but never became king until he was 30. David understood many things about the process of God. David, a flawed man indeed, but yet a man whose heart was positioned facing God. Hallelujah. We are so often tripped up by our imperfections when we need to be driven by his perfectness. See, God is more concerned about the position of your heart than he is with your failures. A right heart will always cause you to labor in a way that causes you to properly serve your generation. When contentions and, 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 and position became, you know, something that the disciples were, were reaching for and gravitating and pushing, pulling, you know, with who was going to be, Jesus corrected them. And if you want to be great in the kingdom, he says, you're going to have to serve. So... How can we
serve the generation. It tells us, doesn't it? David served. He was king. He was powerful. He was rich. He lived in a palace. And yet what he did was he served. He found ways to serve. Thank you, Bible Center, for being such a servant-oriented people. And so it's not our past, and our record lays there, but it's our tomorrows. How are we going to serve the generation? I believe that we have to be like David and that we have to major on the weightier matters. The weightier matters of justice and mercy and faith. Anybody hearing me this morning? That's what Jesus said. He said there's a segment of religion that, you know, worries about the lesser things They're not emphasizing enough the important things. And he says, you don't leave them undone, but there are ones that have to lead the way. You can't teach people how to live and tell people to understand that they can live. Somebody give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. That's what he's saying. David was a man of faith. He loved God's law. We're going to look at him. He was a man of gratitude. He was a man of humility and repentance. He was a man who feared the Lord. He was a man who trusted God. David generation. David functioned in three offices. God wants the church to function in three offices. David functioned in the office of, of the, you know, the prophet, the priest, and king. All three offices. Man. He led a spiritual reformation. As a priest, David was really connected to the spirit. See, Genuine priests are able to bring the presence because he or she is living in the presence. Isn't that right, church? Hallelujah. He can bring the presence because he lives in the presence. So royal priesthood focuses on God first and foremost rather than man. David had an anthem in his life, and you read his, his psalms, you'll hear it. And his mercy endures forever. 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 Let's not cut the mercy of God short. He was a prophet. It was an anointing in David that he could see the future. He could accomplish the vision. 
Oh, hallelujah. David generation. No one's exempt from being part of the David generation. The fact of the matter is, though, the anointing needs to be cultivated in your life. That's right. Needs to be cultivated in your life as as the as as the as it's cultivated and as it grows. You know what I mean. Then also the territory in which you are able to go ahead and be given responsibility by God comes along likewise. See. Now, you might be surprised at this, but it takes more anointing for Goliath than it does for lions and bears. Lions and bears were preparatory anointing. The anointing for Goliath, you know, was an anointing that began to set him up for his rule and his reign. Because people are always more of a problem than animals. You wouldn't know it by some organizations, but they are. (laughs) I mean, am I making sense? You hearing me? People are a problem. But it's not a problem that we're, you know what I mean, supposed to shy away from. It's the answer that we're supposed to bring into the midst of the people problems. Jesus Christ. Tell me the story of Jesus. Right on my heart, every word. And so the David generation is, is a priesthood, but it's a, it's a prophet generation. It is a divine speaking of the Lord so that people know that God is in their midst. He's not just a historical God. He's not someone we just talk about of the stories from the Old Testament, you know, in the New Testament, the miracles that took place then. Those are history. They build our faith. But God's not done writing his history. And so the prophet brings the reality of God in to the midst of the church, and that's why it's, it, it can't just be related to the, to, the, to, the, to the leadership. It just can't be related to the pastor. It just can't be related to the five-fold ministry. You know what I mean? It's got to be the church. Just capturing... You know, rising up a David legacy. And he was a king. We not only operate in scene and not only operate in relationship, but we operate in authority. Authority. Bible says he's made us kings and priests. One thing that God needs in the church today, the church needs to come to, and that is to have healthy leadership. Healthy leadership. I give you power. Those that can execute what God chooses, 
We can help people to go, go forward. I just have never been a pastor that, and I realize, there, I realize that there's leadership, and we must have leaderships, leaders. But I, I think that everybody needs to rise to a realm of leadership wherever you're at and whatever you're doing. And so I don't have a, a set of things for the leaders and then a set of things for the people. I want to see you all soar in different realms and different positions. Do you have those that can go and teach others? Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. The David generation can see with eyes of hope. Where are we at? A little closer. When you look at people, what do you see? When God looks at people, what does he see? It's important because we need to look further than the external. We need to look further than the suit of clothes. We need to look further than the talent and the gift. Because God looks at the heart and evaluates people according to their desires and the growth of their heart. How is their heart growing? And not so much on the external achievements and what gifts they have. So, sometimes if I get a little bit passionate, you know, I'm, it's not because of anything I can see naturally, but it's, it's what I can see spiritually and is it growing there's so much that's challenging our affections see we need to see like God saw Adam and Eve in spite of the wrong choice God could look and see that there was going to be an offspring that was going to break the curse. Woo! We're often blinded by the wrong, but God give us eyes to see, you know, of the possibility that's down the road. I'm glad that somebody saw past this man's major mistake that he made in life. It was not a sin mistake, and you're, you don't need to know what it was. But somebody, in the, in the lack of counsel and in the lack of immaturity, you know, a decision I made. And carried for a couple of years. But 
God sent a man to recover me and get me back on track. And a people, a people that opened their arms. That's right. They opened their arms, took me in. Those same people, I became the pastor, which, you know what I mean, is now the result of an opportunity of restoration, recovery. When God looked at Abraham, he saw a great nation. When he looked at Moses, he saw a deliverer. When he looked at David, he saw a faithful man who had a heart. And in that heart, it embodied the womb of character. David's heart of service is inner motivation. In spite of his flaws and his weaknesses, David understood what God was after. And he set himself to seek after it. Oh yes, my... David knew how to fight in the name of God. Scott mentioned about what we need to do with regard to our nation and our election. Jesus said this. He said, your, your best place to change things is your closet of prayer. So go into your closet of prayer and pray in secret and I will reward you openly. Is there place for all of the others? Absolutely. But never before the closet of prayer. The David generation. David had sterling character. Sterling character. Twice he saved Saul's life because what did he do? Because David knew that every opportunity was not the right opportunity. It wasn't the right opportunity if it violated the honor principle. Let that one sink in. Opportunity is not the right opportunity if it violates the honor principle. 
And David knew that. And so even though he was anointed, even though his future had been set, and even though, you know what I mean, he even had the power by which to go ahead and begin to execute it, he understood that no, if I break the honor principle, then my heart is going to have to have some fresh attention. And so he backed away. David modeled fairness. This is what he said in 2 Samuel 23. He said, he said, God spoke to me. And he said, he who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. Yeah, that's the kind of church we have to be. David built a reputation. Church, we got to have a reputation. We've got to have a good reputation. Here's what it says. Look, I have seen the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who was skillful in playing. He's a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and the Lord is with him. This is early in his life, before he comes up and he begins to play for Saul. Because Saul has some spiritual problems. His spiritual problems had fallen to such a level that, you know, evil spirits were tormenting him. And so the crisis was such, there's, there's really a need. And so as they looked for a remedy, they looked for someone with reputation. Reputation. And it gives the, the, the guidelines. You know, a David generation is not only going to be a skillful generation, but it's going to be a generation of integrity. A man that knows how to fight, but at the same time he's prudent and wise in speech. And he knows how to use his gifts for the right reason. Oh, hallelujah, church. <laughs> the gifts of God, you know, are meant to help people, not promote the gift holder, but to promote the gift giver. Somebody give the Lord a praise. <laughs> hallelujah. Hallelujah. Absolutely. Why do I have a gift? It's not for my name. It's for his name. And so the David generation is going to be skillful. But we'll use it for the right reasons. Notice what it says about David. So David was righteous. David was righteous. It says in 2 Samuel 22, 21 through 35, it says that the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. I'll tell you, David recovered his failure. 
David recovered from his faults. Wherein God says, guess what? Hallelujah. There's something about him that deserves some extra from me. He rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, has he recompensed me. I was blameless before him. I kept myself from iniquity. Therefore, the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his eyes. As Pilate stood before, or excuse me, as Jesus stood before Pilate, And all his accusers are coming, so judgment has to be rendered. And so he comes out and he says, you know what, guys? I've investigated this thing, and I can find no fault in him. I can't find any fault in him. And, of course, we know the story, how they pressed it and the way that it went. But we need to be able to come up clean. They might not back away from the accusations, but they don't have any facts to back up the accusations of David generation. A David generation. Fact is, God said to Solomon, he said, Solomon, I'm going to make you a promise. But there's something connected to it. If you walk before me as your father David walked and do all and do according to all that I've commanded you and if you keep my statutes and my judgments, you know what he said? I'm going to establish your throne forever. Your household is going to have a name that will carry from generation to generation to generation. Hallelujah. Nothing more beautiful. Few things more beautiful than first, second, third, fourth, fifth generation Christians and believers serving the Lord. Somebody has to start a generational heritage and lineage. Ask my musicians to come this morning. David taught his generation. To not fear. Oh, hallelujah. Generation that has faith, confidence in God. Generation not to fear. As he stood before 
the, and with the fearing armies of Israel as Goliath and the Philistines are out there, David said, don't let any man's heart fear him. And then he followed it up. And his act and power of slaying Goliath and where the fear left the hearts of the Israelites, Doug. They rose up. They rose up. They chased the Philistines and they began to slay them. Heart that had been, you know, paralyzed with fear now was energized by courage. Because David taught his generation not to fear. He taught his generation how to praise the Lord. 73 of the 150 Psalms is that. He says three things, and you know, just in a nutshell, he says you need to look up and view creation. Because design demands a designer. He said, look down and read God's revelations. That is the word of God. That would have been, you know, we wouldn't have had the New New Testament. Then the Old Testament. Because it reveals the glory and the will of God. So it's a generation that is attached to the word of God. Because it's there they discover the will of God. And then he talks about in his psalmist to look inward because there it's the divine application of truth that takes place in your life. A truth that cleanses us from defilement and restrains us from evil and it frees us from sin. I don't know about you, but I still need some guiding restraints in guiding lights. That word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. David didn't start out in this, you know, as this monumental man that God finally concluded, but he ended up there. And so, it doesn't make any difference where it is. Today, it's what direction we're going to go? All you got to do is we just listen to the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about you going out and not doing this and, and doing this. I'm talking about just go ahead and listen to the Holy Spirit. Because I'm going to send him into your life, he said, and he's going to lead you and guide you. He'll give you a thumbs up. He'll give you a thumbs down. And then once in a while, you might need somebody to help you interpret what he's saying. Just as Samuel needed Eli to help interpret what God was saying. People in in your lives. You don't have to be in a hurry. But at the same time, You can't procrastinate either. Can't procrastinate. Stand with me. 
David taught his generation the tragedy of sin. Taught his generation the tragedy of sin. David generation. Taught a generation about the forgiveness of, of God. I, I just want to be a David. And I want to see the church. Because we are faced with challenges, ideas, and philosophies. But how are we going to serve our generation? How are we going to do it? What will work for you? What will work for me? The way you start is just serve. Just serve. David served his father. I mean, you can't get out of that, can you? <laughs> I mean, the dad gives you assignment, you go to the, you go to the, the sheep Sheep fields, you're going to the sheep fields. That's all right. Now, but don't let the mundane, you know, part of having to care for the mundane things, you know, keep you from developing relationship with God because that's where David developed his relationship with the Lord. Absolutely. It wasn't for David, but for you, it's taking care of kids and help doing the housework and you know, helping those people get in shape. There's those, those roots. Yeah, you know what I mean? But he said, you know what I can do? I can, I can, I can have private time, communion time with the Lord. You know, Gordy. You get that four-wheeler and a tractor or whatever it is, you know? I mean, you know, yeah. All opportunities. We got to close. Shut up, Don. <laughs> I can keep going, friend. I'm sorry. But anyway, we got a song and ha, hallelujah. Give the Lord a praise this morning. Yes. You're not too young and you're not too old for a David generation. And God says, I want to raise up a David generation that will function and operate like David did, who are a people after my own heart. Amen. Uh, but the presence of the Lord is here. It's just, it's just so powerful. It, it really is, you know. And it's, David set a pretty high bar, but the Holy Ghost is up to it. The Holy Spirit is up. That all we got to do is just go ahead and, you know, He's already got our hand. Just go ahead and, you know, walk with the nudging of it, the pull of it. Just walk with it. Amen? God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.